All right, time to talk to uh, Jacob Bigelow. Uh, let's talk some uh, Husker hoops, and let's put together the top five all-time at Nebraska football players that ended up playing on the basketball team. You ready? I guess, yeah. Uh... <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you Keith Newbert, Wilson Thomas. Uh, we're going to claim that Eric Strickland for a day was a football player that went and played basketball. Uh, you could probably go, mm, Banks and Vedral would come off the bench. Matt Davison played a little basketball uh, one year when they needed him. Uh, but what did you think of the uh, dunk contest yesterday? I was uh, I was impressed. I was it was uh, pretty solid throughout. Um, I was especially impressed by Jeremiah Charles, but I think everybody was. I mean, that dude's an athletic freak. But I mean, the other guy. I mean, the other guys were pretty impressive too. I mean, Emma Johnson can get up. That was. I mean, my two biggest takeaways were Jeremiah Charles being a freak and. Emmett Johnson having hops. Uh, those were my two biggest takeaways. What? Uh, and I will say this: I, you know, since he, him, and I were in high school at the same time, Vedral could hoop. I will say, Vedral could hoop. He, he, uh, was a great he, athlete. he I was gonna say, I don't know if I'd put him on the bench. I think that's a guy we're yeah. putting in the lineup. Yeah, he could hoop. He could hoop for sure. So that's that's all I'll say. Uh, I'll say on that. More but. more impressive win this week in Bloomington or yesterday. Oh, that's a great question because I mean I think there I mean I mean the the common thread between the two is that you know they're and they've won their last four by fifteen or more and you know they you know late in the second half there was no doubt at the result really um, I would I would lean toward uh, the win in Bloomington just to get the road win you know you know get that asterisk you know off your off your resume, but you know, yesterday was pretty impressive too. I thought Nebraska, I thought Nebraska controlled every phase of the game, you know, from from the jump. And I know the first half score, people probably would look at that and go, "What the hell are you talking about, man?" But they were getting Nebraska was getting great shots, you know, in the first half. They were getting good looks. They missed a bunch of bunnies at the rim that you know had all sorts of weird ways of rimming out, um, and they were getting open shots. And then when the shots started falling, you know they were able to pull away. So I'd, I'd probably lean toward yesterday just based on how it looked. So it's it's a coin flip. That's my answer to the question: is it's a coin flip? They were both pretty damn impressive. They uh, they grabbed forty four boards yesterday, and they limited Minnesota to just ten offensive rebounds. Were you surprised with how dominant they were on the glass yesterday? I was no, I, I was because I mean that played a huge part in in the first matchup, you know, back in December, and obviously both teams are different now than they were two months ago. But I mean, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, looking back at that game in December, was that Minnesota did what they did in the second half on the boards, and Garcia wasn't playing. He got he got hurt in the first, uh, you know, within the first five minutes of that game, and you know, was a, was a non-factor and guys like Pharrell Payne and some of their, you know, backup bigs, you know, just feasted on the board and, you know, Pharrell Payne for the most part was a non-factor. Garcia didn't do much either. And, you know, they were, you know, the emphasis was put on, on toughness throughout the week and, you know, Nebraska showed that and then some. Why, what is it about this team? We've talked a lot about Nebraska basketball today. What is it about this team that they can play a red hot Minnesota team and win despite Mast, Tominaga, and Wilcher combining to go five of twenty-three from the floor, and Ofer from three. Um, yep. Yeah, Fred mentioned that yesterday. That you know, not every day 
Mast, Kese, Wilcher, and and Sam are going to go over from three, and they're going to you know win by double digits. Um, I mean, I've just I've kind of you know tried to you know make this point all year is they've got they've got a bunch of different ways to beat you. You know, it doesn't just have to be one guy. Well, maybe not the way it looks, but multiple guys who can do it. Uh, it doesn't have to be just one guy taking twenty shots and going on a going on a heater. You know, they've got you know. The, the best form of this Nebraska team is, is, is balance. You know, when they've got, you know, four guys and double figures like they did yesterday, they've got Jawan Gary, you know, stepping up, hitting some, you know, timely shots, but that, that can be anybody. Um, you know, they Bryce Williams being aggressive, going downhill to the basket, you know, and, you know, rink mass still found his way into double figures. But I mean, the, the best form of this Nebraska team is when it's a balanced and they're coming at you with multiple guys and in multiple ways. We can talk about shooting percentages, but when we talk about the other side of the ball, not maybe not the best player, but who do you think is the most important player defensively down the stretch for this team? Uh, just just based on how they've been matching him up, it's Bryce Williams right now. Um, they've been you know putting him on the lead guards, you know the go-to guys on uh, you know on the opposing team. You know, at least to start off games, and then you know, Juwan Gary is probably a close second. But I mean, right now, just the way they've been assigning you know defensive matchups, you know, I, I would say Bryce Williams. So, and and sticking with Bryce, who you know, along with Gary yesterday, played really, really well. Um, you know, you're 15 and eight guy. Juwan Gary was hitting threes, which you know is not what they ask him to do, but he was one of the rare guys that was hot from there. But in the post game, Bryce Williams was. This I don't know. I I don't know if I'm reading. I'm not reading this wrong. But I'm I'm. This is a kind of a question. Are you getting the same thing that they're not surprised that they're twenty and eight? And also, when Bryce says you haven't seen our best form yet, do you get the vibe that they are not surprised that they're twenty eight, twenty and eight at this point? And also, is there a next level for this team that they can achieve between now and? you know, three weeks from now when they know where they're going for the NCAA tournament? I don't know about there being another level, but if there I is, agree. I'd definitely be interested to, you know, I'd be interested to see it. But, I mean, it, I think this is about, you know, the best, that, I mean, this is the best they've looked all year, and it's the time of year where you want to look your best, so good on them. But um, the first part of the question about them being surprised, I, I, I totally buy that they're not surprised. Um, they've had a quiet confidence about them all year. Um, they haven't been too, you know, boisterous. They're not gonna, you know, they've, they'll, they'll have some swagger to them in game when they're hitting shots and they're doing the ice in their veins thing or the whatever celebration, you know, when they're hitting shots. But I mean, that's just basketball. But I mean, off the court, they're not, you know, they're not gonna get to, you know, we, we've heard it from Fred, the never too high, never too low thing. You know, they're not gonna, you know, they're not going to give any too much any bulletin board material for the most part, but I mean they've had a quiet confidence about them since the preseason, and I, I totally believe they're not surprised to be where they're at. Three winnable games on paper left on the schedule here. What does your gut tell you about seeding in the Big Ten tournament? Where do you think they end up? Um, I mean it's going to be going to be close. Um, I mean I think they they've got a great shot at sneaking up to the to that double buy, whether it's on tiebreakers or getting there. Uh, getting there outright, you know, Michigan State losing yesterday was, you know, that was, you know, lost in the shock and awe of Ohio State winning their first Big Ten road game since January of 23. Was that that, you know, that helped, 
you know, helped out Nebraska in that, you know, race for the four seed. And then, um, you know, Purdue still plays Wisconsin and uh, they play Michigan State as well. Um, so there's some games that, you know, if they go the right way, it could end up with Nebraska in that four spot. But I mean, I think they're, they're at, at the least going to be the, going to be the sixth. And, you know, what, you know, you're, you're either playing on Thursday night or you're playing on Friday, one of the two. Uh, no doubt, because I, I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we've talked about this. No doubt that Fred is uh, wrapped up coach of the year. Um, I mean, it'll be close between him and Ben. I think uh, it'll be it'll be pretty close. Um, I you know I don't I don't know what the makeup of the voting you know body will be for that award, but I think it, it's definitely a two man uh, race between him and uh, Ben Johnson. Um, I, and I think it'll be close between the two of them. You now have the ability to have hindsight. Would you stand under the basket, let Emma Johnson jump over you? Uh, I would. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would. I would. Uh, I think you know. I'm not. I'm not the tallest. Uh, not the tallest guy by any means. I, I'd, I'd put some trust in it for sure. Hey, there's a couple things on the, uh, you know, the the the, the Big Ten pregame and postgame show. Uh, sometimes Nebraska basketball is an afterthought, but Nebraska has done it to themselves. Where, why would you talk t- like a about a team like Nebraska, but they spent a, a good majority yesterday, and I think I think John Beeline really likes Fred, and I think John Beeline likes Nebraska. So he's on the Sunday show, and he goes into talking about Nebraska. I was a little bit surprised because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you that I think this is who Nebraska is, a good team. I don't know that there's another level that they can go to, but... Did it strike you as interesting that John Beeline would go there and he said, they remind me of my 18 Michigan team that went all the way to the NCAA championship game? Oh, yeah. I mean, that definitely made me raise my eyebrows quite a bit. Uh, made some made uh, made multiple people in the uh, press room when that quote was read uh, say, whoa. That uh, <laughs> was a yeah. little, uh, you know, it's like, John, it's, uh, I mean, I – uh, John had a front row. Coach Beeline had a front row seat to that team. Obviously, um, I saw that team up close twice: once in Lincoln, once at Madison Square Garden. Um, I mean, that team had multiple NBA dudes on it. Uh, yeah. Had you know Duncan Robinson, Mo Wagner, Isaiah Livers. Uh, that that team was pretty good, and they wound up thirty-three and eight, and the national runners-up. Uh, I don't know if I, you know, and that's that's no that's no knock on this Nebraska team by any means. That Michigan team was really really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that team had dudes, that team had dudes from top to bottom. Uh, so yeah, that was a little that was a little. Uh, I don't know if John if he was being a little extra. A little extra over the top, but uh, yeah, that was that may have been a little much for me. <laughs> Maybe not because we're so far into this season. But were you surprised at all when when Minnesota jumps out to that five zero lead and Nebraska just kind of battled back into it and didn't never really look back at any point? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, I, I you know I've watched a little bit of this this Minnesota team. It's a Minnesota team that's blown multiple 20 point leads this season um both at home and on the road and they're uh they definitely have you know i i, I the uh no hill has been too big of a hill to climb for some of the their <laughs> opponents but i mean that also says a lot about nebraska you know they've shown the you know the, the the ability to battle back and you know fight you know they they talk about you know fighting through adversity and you know when it hits and when you get punched first and all those fun coaching cliches. But you know I, I was not I was not too surprised. Northwestern Nebraska being in the top five in the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana at the bottom. Is that good for Big Ten basketball? 
Uh, nationally, no. Um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's already already a, a lot of talk out there about how much the Big Ten stinks and, you know, it's Purdue and, you know, nobody else. And, you know, then there's the... Then there's the Purdue thing nationally, which just you know, whenever they lose, becomes a they're they're still a they're still a joke. They're going to lose to a 16 seed again. All that. I mean, it's uh, the Big Ten. You know, they they've definitely got some work to do in the uh, national perception game uh, in the tournament. And you know, when when the when the the big brands, you know, like those like those three schools you mentioned, are all in influx and at the bottom and instead you're going to have nebraska and northwestern in the NCAA tournament it definitely you know it's uh, it's you know it's it's an uphill battle in the uh the perception race for the big ten how many teams in the big ten get in uh hmm, i was thinking six last week but i mean michigan state's got to win games they can't be losing games like they did yesterday uh the metrics still love them but I mean, they're definitely going to have to, and the, yeah, the metrics still love them, but they still got to play Purdue, and I mean, they got to win games. So, I mean, it's either going to be it's either going to be five or six. Why is Michigan State struggling? That's a that's a great question. It's kind of been the one of my biggest Big Ten questions all year because I mean, they brought almost their entire team back. They were you know preseason top five, um, and it just uh, I don't know if it's. Some of it, in my opinion, could be you know personnel decisions. Um, you know they've got a got a five star you know big man who's hardly played, and when Izzo gets asked about him, he says, "I don't think he could handle it." You know he's just openly like, "This yeah. kid's not ready yet." Um, there's definitely a bunch of bunch of questions up there, but um, yeah, I mean they've definitely been. That, you know, even though they're you know still top half of the league, you know their their expectations were pretty high this year. You know, between them and Maryland, those are two pretty big, pretty big letdowns. Uh, are you all out on court storming? <laughs> I I am not. I am not going to stand on my soapbox and you know give a you know give a you know rant about uh, about court storming. I think there are good ways. I think there there are ways to go about it. You know, you you can't your arena. Your security can be prepared for it, and if you're prepared for it, you know things, you know, like we've seen, you know, throughout this year could could be avoided. And um, I don't know why, you know, Wake Forest, you know, arena was not prepared for that. Like Duke at coming all. to town, there's gonna, gonna, yeah, not at all. Like Duke's coming to town, there's gonna be some juice. Like you, you know, I, I don't know why there was. It appeared that there was zero prep preparation at all for that, but I don't think that every 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 court storming has to be a referendum on it by any means. Yeah, you know, here's another thing about that deal with Duke and Wake Forest, and, and I think you have to be prepared. We've also lost, Jimmy and I were talking about this earlier, where you, you now just storm the court. Like, it used to be you beat the number one team in the country, you beat a team that was in the top five, you were tearing down the goalposts, you were running on the field. Now if you, you know, now if it just, if you upset somebody, you're, you're coming on to the, you know, the court or you're coming to tear down the goalpost. Don't you don't you think as well? Because there are some places that have done the court storming really well. Like watching on Tuesday night, the Creighton, the Mecca people had, and the game day people at Creighton had an opportunity to get ready. They knew it was going to happen, but the game was a blowout, and it wasn't like it was a last second victory, and then all heck breaks loose. They had a feeling that okay, if Creighton wins this game, they're going to storm the court. Let's have a plan. And 
it helped that it was a blowout and it wasn't like a last second thing. So they were in place, you know, well before the horn sounded and they did a great job of protecting, you know, UConn and getting them off the floor. That game was a little bit closer, but I just can't, in my mind, I'm thinking Wake Forest game day staff didn't think that, or game day operations didn't think that, man, we're going to, they're going to storm the court. And, and not to be prepared yeah, at all. Yeah. I mean, it just is a, it's just a terrible look. I don't think every building is created equally. I think there are there are some ops staffs that do a better job in how they protect the players on the floor, but also let the fans have their little fun. And it just goes by the wayside. And you don't ever hear about an incident. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. We've definitely seen you know both sides of it. You know, conventional wisdom, at least in my mind, would say, "Oh yeah, Duke's coming to town. Uh, we need a we need a win. We need a signature win. We're on the bubble for the NCAA tournament." And let alone it's it's Duke, and we're here in the you know the the triangle, and this is it's a would be a big win on multiple on multiple levels for Wake Forest, and they got her done. And I I think that there'd be some some preparedness, some awareness of you know that 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 situation could have been taking place uh, and went in Winston Salem over the weekend. But uh, what do I know? But I completely agree. Not every building is created equally in terms of preparedness. Do you blame Kyle Flapowski for any of that? The uh... The, like bracing himself, defending himself out of the court. I uh, was moving a little slow. Uh, <laughs> oh, was, come he, on! He was he was taking he was taking he was taking his time a little bit, but I mean it's kind of you know, I mean it's it's there's two sides to every coin really, and you know I think that you know if if, if time's running down, I mean I I don't know you know. I, I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation, but I mean, it, there's there's two sides to it for sure. Yeah, there is, and and I know we we don't like we don't like the white guy from Duke, so we always go <laughs> after him. Um, but I, I will tell you this: if if there's something like that happening and somebody's coming running right for me, whether it's unintentional or intentional, I'm going to protect myself. Yeah, oh, I'm not I, let, I'm not letting somebody just mow me down. No, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no, absolutely. and I'm not saying I'm not you. Saying, I'm just. I'm, I'm saying that's what I would do. No, that's what. That's what I think. Most. I think that's what the vast majority, you know, of people would do. And I'm not. I'm not faulting him for not wanting to, you know, get get Mufasa by a pack of Wake Forest students. But you <laughs> know, I, I'm not 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 blaming him for that. But I mean, it's you know, like I mean, there's there's two sides. There's there's always two sides to it. Yeah, I, I keep bringing up it, it's because I was there the night, um, you know, that they said that Kellen Houston assaulted a Missouri fan. You know, the Missouri fan run on the field after they beat Nebraska, and all, all heck is breaking loose. And Kellen Houston has a guy that's coming right for him. You're not saying, "Hey, get your you get your hands up and start swinging," but you know, Kellen Houston didn't in, 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 initiate in this initiate. Initiate, initiate, uh, in, instigate. Hello, um, the situation. He was reacting to what you know. He saw a student from Mizzou coming right at him. So, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, you got. I mean, you got. You got to protect yourself. I mean, and especially in the the social media era where people are going to want to get their video of running up to somebody and saying, you know bleep you, we beat you, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, college kids are college kids still. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, 
that goes into it. I mean, it's not it's not as straight. I mean, it's it, it's pretty straightforward in the terms of preparedness and every and all that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's not like it used to be where it's just oh, we beat number one, let's all go on the court and then go to the bars for the rest of the night. Like there's now all <laughs> sorts of you know more more variables going into it. Yep. I, Jacob, as always, we appreciate it. Have a good week. Yep, you guys too. Appreciate it. Goes back to what is going through your head if you're going to go challenge a football player? Okay, you're running on the field. So the the game is over. Nebraska got beat by Mizzou on that Saturday night. They're coming off the field. It was it was wild. I mean, Mizzou is ready to party. Even Brad Smith, you know, celebrated quarterback. I mean, he got he got caught in it. Um, Be hard not to, right? But Kellen was walking off the field, so he was. Um, he was unbuttoning his chin strap, and he was walking off the field. A lot of the guys ran off the field because it was getting scary. Sure. And there was this kid who wasn't – and I keep calling him a student. I'm wrong on that. He wasn't a student at Mizzou. He was just a fan that was coming up to confront him. Like, okay, you're in a situation. Is this guy going to, like, throw a punch? Is he stupid enough that I'm wearing football pads and a helmet that he's going to start swinging? I got to protect myself. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and but it, the reaction twenty four years ago to that compared to today is completely flipped on how we look at the athlete, as it should be. I mean, you're in, more times in a situation those people are yelling things at you and saying things probably about your mom <laughs> and your family and the school you attend, and we've seen it. We've seen guys take take shots on the field. So I mean, it's it's one of those things that I, I think you got looked at as. Hey, there's 20, 15, 20,000 of us running on the field. There's no way they're going to react. Look at Kevin Durant walking on the on the court the other night at, at yeah. the basketball game. Like it, athletes are at the point where they've had enough of it. Yeah, that's a great point because the boundaries between the fan and the player because of sports talk radio, social media, we we probably look at our coaches and our players completely different nowadays. They've been more humanized. Humanized, but also we we feel like we can say whatever, right? Instead of the respect thing, of keyboard we, warriors, we know them so well. So yeah, so when Kevin Durant walks by a fan in Dallas, and you know that fan calls him out, and Durant stops to go confront them, we're like, whoa! I, I we, we I can't sit, believe she went for a high five. We sit closer to the to the floor. I mean, in all honesty, are you surprised because you go to Creighton, you go to Nebraska, you go to Omaha? One of the nice things is uh, you could sit right there, just like going to an NBA arena. You can sit courtside. Okay, you can sit on the baseline. You can sit, you know, courtside. You can basically sit next to the bench. Yeah, those seats are available. That we have not had like a little incident of a fan sitting courtside gets after a player. Uh, I think uh, because I can't recall one where, you know, maybe some good natured back and forth, but not of. um, an incident which draws, like, the official goes, hey, what's going on here? Yeah, let's or, check on this. Or somebody has to come and be ejected. Well, I think the the positive in Omaha is the majority of those seats are taken by some elder statesmen uh, in those seats or very young kids. It's usually a combination of both. Uh, so I, I would be surprised if that happens in Omaha. In Lincoln, with how, how close the student section is to the to the floor, it's more likely to happen at PBA. I mean, the closest I can remember, so there's a story. Um, I don't know if you guys will remember this name. Uh, you probably do because he went to Texas Tech and got him to the, the championship game. Uh, you remember Matt Mooney? Yeah. Okay, so Matt Mooney played at South Dakota. Right. Now, Matt Mooney played with an edge. 
And if he was on your team, you loved him. If you if you were playing against him, you hated the guy. I mean, he'd, he'd give you a little jab here when he'd cut through the lane or something like that. But he talked the entire game. and He was kind of Grayson Allen-esque. He was he was edgy. Yeah, he was a nice player. I mean that that was he was a good player at South Dakota, and then uh, you know helped uh, Texas Tech get to the championship game in uh, nineteen. But they're playing against Omaha, and uh, Omaha it was the might have been the was the eighteen nineteen season. It was it was it was somewhere when he his last year at uh, South Dakota. Uh, he got into it with the guys that were sitting on the baseline. I know, and they had been lubed up for a while. Sure, they were having a good time. Um, and he was giving it to them, and they were giving it right back to him. He challenged them to go out in the parking lot and fight. See, and that's that's the thing is if you're gonna if you're gonna chirp at the fans and they respond, like that's that's a little bush league to me. And and maybe there was a little bit of posturing there too, and wasn't whole seriousness. But like that's my thing is if you're gonna chirp and they start chirping back, and then you take it personally, that's where I draw the line. I think that's that's something that that's just bush league to me. Yeah, he was. Uh, there was, um, if I recall, he was. Uh, he had the in the middle of the game. He was dribbling along the baseline on a set play, and he was yapping at a couple of guys. And then you could clearly hear him say, uh, because it was down near the Omaha bench, you could clearly hear him say, "Let's go in the parking lot and fight." And I'm like, that would be awkward. You have to stop the game. Your best player would have to go out in the parking lot, throw throw some knuckles, and then come back in. Make a great halftime show. Would more people go watch that than a dunk contest? <laughs> I'm like the guy like the Sec Henry guy at the Nebraska games. How come he doesn't give the business to to some players? Just throw a quick elbow. Oh, you get chirp <laughs> there. I mean, there, you you sit right on top of the floor. Look at look at it, Madison Square Garden. I, I felt bad for Mac yesterday. You know, Mac's not a small guy. Right. And the way that Madison Square Garden is, whether it be for the basketball Knicks game or St. John's, but the fans are on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 little baby we, we media wonder, table next Danny Hurley get the hell off the floor the fans at MSG are like on the floor and the way they have it set up you could be sitting next to Joe Schmo who paid 500 bucks to sit right there that's how the form was I, same thing i think that's what makes basketball special it's, it makes it more intimate in 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 sometimes it makes that ticket it. worth the price you could buy a ticket and you could be sitting next to the uh, head basketball coach just start rubbing Dan Hurley's head from behind him <laughs> Were you really going to pound so, that kid? Somebody did. Yeah, that, that would be the that'd be probably one of the, the he would not be the first guy on my list that I would rub his head. I don't think you'd take too kindly to it. I would ask politely. Uh also, for good luck. Also, ESPN. Did did you not when you when you mic up a guy like Hurley, did you not ex- a lot a lot of cuss words. Yeah, did you not expect that? Especially in that environment. Yeah. yeah. Where the whole student section was yelling four letter words at him the entire game. Uh, we're uh, back with uh, some uh, final thoughts after this on 1620 The Zone.